So as I said, today's guest is Alex Lightman, and we have many topics in common. Alex graduated from MIT in 83 and has been deploying novel hardware and software communications and internet products, platforms and protocols for 30 years. He was a pioneer in wearables in the 90s, sparking global publicity that has paved the way for public interest in the wearable devices of the quantified self, Wave. And Alex is also the author of the first book on 4G, Brave New Unwired World, on the costs and benefits of ending the 50 year of US embargo of Cuba, he wrote the book entitled Reconciliation. He received the first Economist Magazine Reader's Award based on his contribution on the innovation of 4G wireless. He's also successfully proposed the US government adopting uh, IPv6. When I was chairman of Humanity Plus, the World Transhumanist Association, Alex was executive director and together we organized the H Plus Summit at Harvard University. It was held in June 2010, and a female lead in Dan Brown's best-selling novel, Inferno, called it the largest gathering of transhumanists ever. Maybe we can tell some stories about that too. Alex practically lives on Facebook, posting with furious frequency. Back when I signed up, I learned watching him online how to Facebook. Similarly to how now watching Rehan Alakwala, I learn a, uh, a lot about online video and, and engaging communities of millions of people. So for the second time, welcome Alex Lightman. Thank you, David. It's great to see you again. <laughs> and and uh, uh, we have a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of uh, people uh, telling us, you're muted, false start, let's do it again. Emiliano and Yanni says, you are muted. And, and, and Dale <laughs> heard the intro, but no voices, no sound. Hello. <laughs> they all love us. <laughs> and, and they I were can't trying believe you're turning to... that into content. Well, of course, of course. I mean, um, the, the, the breaking down the walls, right? Uh, the fourth wall, fifth wall, I don't know how many walls there are, is There's part four. of the beauty of this, this medium. Uh, maybe there are more here. Um, another thing that we do uh, is uh, uh, to go and show where uh, we all are. So I'm in Bergamo right now, and uh, uh, you are in Santa Monica, right? Is that yes, correct? That's correct. So let's go there. By the beach. Well, uh, we will see that and we can it's see. Easy to, it's easy to find me because just show a picture of the pier in Santa Monica and that's where I am. I'm overlooking the pier. Well, maybe we can, we can do a bit more because if I zoom in, uh, I can actually go here and yep. then I can try if I, so if I can I manage big, that. That big building right there that's kind of like a U uh, uh -huh. overlooking it, that's me. Uh -huh. I'm in the okay, southwest so, corner of that building. So let's, I, I found the right key combination, I'm sorry. If, I am a bit clunky with this. Uh, which one was that? With with the with a bit of patience, I would be able to actually turn the thing around and then pretend that I can greet you from uh, your balcony, and you could That's pretend funny. to step out and 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 wave your hand uh, uh, around us, That's or hilarious. I actually could 
could poke you with the with the pointer of my mouse, right? That would be the next wave of uh, augmented reality and and uh, virtual reality, which uh, you you did a lot of uh, uh, twenty years ago. It's true. Yes. Uh, well, uh, I was a pioneer in making three D websites for Hollywood. So probably forty nine of the first fifty or so website three D websites for Hollywood uh, were from my companies. Spawn, Xena, Fifth Element, Zorro, Blade, Titanic, Mortal Kombat, The Arrival. Um, that was wow. pretty fun. And I got the uh, SGI award for that out of uh, 800 entries. So other people like them too. And uh, it is uh, uh, the nature of exponential technologies that they uh, attempt to break through, through progressive waves. And, and if they don't succeed, they come back later on a stronger springboard uh, and we have seen in in AR and VR at least uh, three four waves and and the next one uh, and we've seen supposedly... that in artificial intelligence too and this time around they're the the AI the VR and the uh, uh, are coming together you know we have a lot more interesting entities to meet in VR well, uh, it, and and our ability to 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 forge alliances with those entities are is is going to be crucial uh, for for our future because the amount of information that we have to uh, digest uh, clearly surpasses uh, what uh, anybody can can do, and and what anybody can uh, think of 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 being able to to actually decide based on mere unaugmented human senses, right? Uh, yes. There is a book uh, uh, that, that I didn't uh, cite in my introduction that you co-wrote with... Uh, uh, with um, uh, Brett King. With, with Brett King, uh, thank you. Augmented and I hope uh, to have uh, Brad uh, on the show as well in the Brett. future. Uh, uh, augmented is, uh, uh, is a fantastic uh, book too. Uh, I have it on my shelf uh, somewhere. I will put you speaking uh, on full screen uh, with your black bars and I will uh, 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 hop over to, to try to find it uh, while you are speaking. So uh, why don't you tell us uh, uh, how you came to be who you are? What, what was your path and, and your, your website, uh, alexleitman.com, uh, uh, says you are uh, a futurist, an author, a policy advisor. So how, was, how does one become those things? Well, I have to give the credit to my mother. Uh, my mother was a very iconoclastic uh, rebel genius. I was born on the kitchen table at in her apartment next to Paramount Studios, right when they were trying to start to get together Star Trek. And she had 25 of her friends set up lawn chairs around the dining table. Oh, I think we just got muted. David? Just uh, me. Just me. Okay. Go ahead. I see. David. Uh, okay. So, and uh, my mother worked in the first natural food stores, gave me juice as a baby, uh, didn't get me any vaccinations, uh, lied and put me into school a year early. So I entered, uh, I entered first grade at age five. Uh, she was basically trying all kinds of experiments on me. I've heard that B.F. Skinner put his daughter in a box and handled her with gloves just to see if she would turn out differently, saying that she wouldn't. I heard she did. And my mother had this idea of 
a continuum between adaptation on the one side and adaptability on the other. And she said that most people were raised to be adapted to their environment, to their ecological and commercial intellectual milieu, their niche, their ecological niche. And she thought it was important for me to be very adaptable. So her way of doing that was simply to move in the middle of the year. So I would go to a different school in the middle of the school year, almost every year. And uh, also she said that I needed to be self-sufficient. So at age 11, I got a work permit. I was the only one in Fairfax County to get one. I had to go to a judge and say it wasn't child labor abuse. And I started making my own money. And uh, at 13, I became financially self-sufficient, bought my first house, and then selling that a year later for a profit, I was able to pay my own way. Uh, I didn't actually get any financial aid outside of ROTC for the first two years of MIT uh, because I wasn't uh, formally emancipated. But a lot of it was just in, 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 uh, in, in those years, uh, uh, even in Ivy League schools, uh, education was less outrageously expensive than today though, right? No, MIT was the most expensive university in the world. Uh, do you know how I came upon MIT? Would you like to hear that story briefly? Yes, of course. There was a Navy recruiter who came to my high school, Luray High School in Luray, Virginia. It's famous for its caverns. And he showed this big chart of how much a Navy ROTC scholarship would be worth uh, if you went there. And there was a, a Virginia University, I think Virginia Tech in Blacksburg, all the way in the bottom right. And I asked, well, what's that thing up there in the upper left? And he said, oh, that's the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, but none of you could get in there. And it's like, well, I could get in there. And he said, no, you couldn't. And so, of course, then I had to apply. And later, like one day later, uh, one of my friends, I was, I was the captain of the cross-country team. I was sitting having lunch with the captain of the, the, uh, the football team and all that, the other teams. And they said, wow, there was, this, uh, there was a stripper who was wearing a T-shirt at, and her breasts were so big, it said Massachusetts Institute of Technology across there. And I was very like lonely and nerdy. And I went, wow, it's the most expensive school in the world. Other people will pay for it. And they have strippers like to wear their shirts. So man, that's where I want to go to college. So that's how I ended up at MIT. Very good, a very good story. And um, I didn't remember the name of the uh, character in Back to the Future. Marty uh, McFly? Who... Uh, Marty McFly, who has this uh, weakness, uh, he he is always spurred on on things uh, when uh, when somebody points at him and 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 tells him that he's weak or or that he he doesn't dare something like that. Yeah. Uh, so so I don't know if uh, uh, in a positive way because he does very stupid things instead when that happens, uh, just like uh, that bet of not being able to get into MIT and you instead uh, successfully did that. Uh, the similar, a similar behavior also spurred you into other things, uh, other achievements. Uh, is that something that you maybe uh, recall? Well, sure. The whole idea of, of futurist came because people were constantly trying to argue with me. As, as anybody who's on Facebook knows, I love to argue. And I love to argue from facts and some people don't like that. And I'm always, because I, I haven't inherited wealth and because somehow I'm around wealthy people, they like to make bets. And so they're constantly saying, oh, well, I'll bet you $10,000. So for instance, even with this 
coronavirus thing, I have a substantial bet with a relatively famous biotech billionaire uh, about, you know, things. And so I guess anybody who likes to make bets and is willing to put money down and always wins them. I have never lost a bet about the future based on facts ever in, I don't know, 40 years of making me. It just went out. Hey there. Yes, uh, we can hear hey your. There. Yeah, we can hear it's your audio. We can hear your audio, uh, Alex. You're you're muted. No, you are. <laughs> Hello. Yes, I can. I can hear you, Alex, and I cannot see you. Um, I can um, try and, uh, and and do some things uh, while I am. Uh, I am uh, waiting for you to come back, ad-libbing to our audience. All right. Um, try to try to do something with your phone, Alex. And in the meantime, I will go full screen, and uh, and uh, I can actually see uh, for our viewers um, the platform that we are using is called uh, Streamyard, and uh, uh, we can. Uh, see each other uh, in a uh, in a bar of small. Um, okay, you say you can hear screens. me. Yes, I can. I can. I hear can't you, hear yes. you. Should I talk? Well, uh, I don't know. I if I were you, I would unlog and log back in. Uh, let me let me write that to you. Uh, 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 log uh, or kill the browser. and come back in. I, I wrote that to Alex in the, in the private chat with, that we also have available. Uh, let me show you actually while uh, 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 we, are, we are doing that. So um, what I do here uh, when, when I'm streaming is that I keep uh, the um, I keep uh, my uh, main window with my email, my messenger, Facebook, and, uh, and the Discord uh, server we have uh, in one window. And then uh, I keep uh, in a separate window the various, um, the various um, uh, websites that I am going to, to show and share. So now you actually see all, all my screen. And uh, Alex is back uh, without uh, his video. Uh, I don't know if you can uh, hear us, Alex. I can, can hear you, hear? yes. Can you hear me? Yes. So I believe that uh, your video is flipped. Uh, can you uh, try and jiggle the flip uh, switch again? That you found uh, before? And then maybe we yeah, will I be able it. to see you as I, well. I you flipped it, it and nothing it, happened? Not, yes, that's right. Okay, sorry. We will not see your beautiful face. I can, I can uh, uh, put up uh, your photo from uh, from your website instead. But it's good that we can hear you. So uh, we were uh, talking about uh, the uh, ability to win bets uh, based uh, on the future and facts well, about that, the future. I think that that's kind of what futurists are—people who can make scenarios. 
I tend to, to predictions that can be verified. So there are all kinds of different ways in which people paint or people write or people dance or perform. And I see that, future, uh, that futurists can be kind of performance artists, but they also can be to some extent looking at the world stochastically or statistically and say, what's the probability this will happen? And what I try to do is make predictions that either happen or don't happen by a certain date. So you can just move on and see whether someone was right because they're a way of, de of determining whether you have a sense of what's happening in the world that's uh, related to reality. I heard something when I was 13 years old at uh, EST, Earhart Seminars Training. Uh, Werner Earhart, the creator, said, if you keep on saying things the way they really are, eventually your word becomes law in the universe. And so to me, it makes, uh, it's very attractive to try to figure out how the world is going, where it's going, so you see if you're, if you're in tune with the universe. Um, I, I think that is wonderful, and uh, I have never had the chance of uh, mm, attending an, an EST uh, uh, meeting uh, and, and understand it uh, more closely, uh, but the quote uh, you gave is uh, certainly inspiring in terms of being a, a, a self-fulfilling prophecy uh, because you train yourself thinking about a future in a certain way. Um, and uh, and uh, also what you said about um, the incentives in making these predictions, I think that is very healthy. Uh, not only single bets, but uh, putting uh, economic incentives so that certain uh, forecasts or predictions um, have, uh, have uh, a collective meaning is what uh, prediction markets are about. And prediction markets are a very powerful tool, so powerful that uh, I don't know how many years ago, uh, the, the Department of Defense uh, with, uh, I think, uh, Point Dexter uh, wanted to set up a prediction market and they uh, canceled the project because they were afraid it would turn into a self-fulfilling assassination market, right? Uh, and 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 as a matter of fact, uh, probably they didn't just cancel it, but uh, they 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 put it in one of those famous uh, uh, hidden boxes uh, that uh, the the Indiana Jones uh, movies uh, tell us uh, exist uh, uh, somewhere if we want to believe those movies. So uh, we we will have actually uh, David Brain on the show. Um, uh, David Brain, uh, you know, I'm sure is uh, a very accomplished his uh, book earth uh, was required reading at my my global uh boarding school my high school uh, and and uh, one of the things that we will talk about for sure is uh, the uh, necessity of uh, of uh, making um, statements that are backed even if by ten dollars, uh, when you arg argue with your crazy uncle that uh, seems to be detached from reality, uh, ask him to to back up the statements by by some symbolic sum. Uh, tell me about the high school. Uh, that is uh, that is very interesting too. Sure, it was called the Nijoni School, N-I-Z-H-O-N-I, -I, School for Global Consciousness. Uh, I set it up with a woman named Chris Griscom, whose books have sold millions of copies. And she didn't want, she had uh, six kids, and she didn't want her uh, sixth child to go to a school in a normal school system. 
because he had this uh, extraordinary brain. Um, his his forehead bulged out like a beluga whale. And I looked at this child and I went, wow, this is an ordinary child from thousands of years in the future when humans have mutated and gotten bigger brains. And she gave birth to him in the Bahamas, in the ocean. So I, I like that she had was a kind of a, a, a weird person who gave birth in a unique way to have a great birth story. And so she said, will you set up a school for my son and for other kids? And I said, sure. Okay. So I left working on Wall Street for Reuters, building financial engineering workstations, and went to New Mexico for four years and made this school. And we had kids from uh, about 20 to 25 countries. And one unique thing about the school is that we had uh, trips and we would go for three months a year to 20 to 25 countries. And the last month of the trip, all the students would get up and speak before audiences. And so I never had any discipline problems because in the beginning of the school, I said, if you pay attention, you will be able to stand on a stage with a thousand people watching you and you will have no fear and you'll look awesome. But if you don't pay attention, you won't be able to do that because the average teenager isn't able to do that. Yeah, they can do that if they've had acting training. There's no acting training. This is authentic training for you to be you. And so kids are so afraid of public speaking that they all paid attention and they did amazing. That is, that is very nice. And empowering uh, young people uh, to feel the confidence of communicating their ideas uh, is, is exceptionally important. Uh, actually, even people who are older um, too many uh, ideas don't get taken seriously because they are communicated in a not completely powerful way. Uh, let's look at some of the comments uh, that, uh, that are coming in. Uh, we have a lot of followers in Pakistan because uh, 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 Rehan Allahwala, who I mentioned at the beginning, graciously uh, provided his pages to rebroadcast uh, uh, the show and he has uh, 1.5 million followers. So we have uh, Said uh, Shabazz Rahmani saying uh, good job. And uh, we have uh, Yasir Suisi saying, I have never had an argument with an AI until this pandemic, he says. I think I am going crazy. <laughs> okay, I hope not. Uh, and, and I love when our viewers uh, say actually where they are as well. So. Uh, feel 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 free to uh, comment with your location, and uh, I will highlight your comment uh, because we have uh, people following uh, from from all over the world. Uh, Emiliano is uh, quoting Steve Jobs. Uh, uh, Emiliano says Jobs uh, uh, said uh, the world was made from people that aren't smarter than you. Then you can change it, um, and uh, I think uh, that uh, changing the world. Uh, is something that we all do in, in our little normal ways, uh, but some of us have, have a major impact on the world. Let's get into, into the topic of, uh, of our uh, conversation today, actually. Uh, and I will narrate for you, Alex, uh, since you can't see the screen, what I am showing as well. I can see the screen. Oh, okay, okay, good. Um, I, uh, as I was looking it up, uh, uh, I, I found this uh, um, infographics and I typically don't like infographics which uh, freeze and, and murder wonderfully 
um, analyzable information in some silly way that uh, often uh, makes it apparently more accessible and apparently more entertaining as if uh, the people watching the infographic were not smart enough to 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 be interested uh, if it were not entertaining but this one is, is is not bad i disagree with some of the things that i may highlight it is for example interesting that the timeline is represented with the past receding from us so the higher uh, a pandemic here is on the page the the farther in the past and of course uh, uh, the 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 perspective makes the uh, the the pandemics of the farther past appear less important but if we go down we see that actually uh, as far as we know uh, the uh, bubonic plague uh, of uh, the 14th uh, century black death was uh, what uh, caused uh, the highest uh, number of uh, people dying at uh, 200 million approximately which corresponds to uh, from a third to a half of the the population of of europe and uh, uh, there are uh, several uh, pandemics attributable to the plague so the same um the same uh, 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 pathogen it, just as there are several outbreaks, uh, pandemic-like outbreaks of uh, smallpox. And uh, it is absolutely wonderful that uh, even though new pathogens uh, uh, have emerged, like HIV, AIDS, and, uh, and others, uh, we have been, for example, able to uh, eradicate uh, smallpox uh, and, uh, and uh, uh, the plague, uh, we haven't, uh, as far as I know, eradicated the uh, the, the pathogen itself, but uh, it hasn't caused uh, outbreaks. Um, now, what I what I told you uh, before we begun, and you graciously agreed in in coming on the show, is that we wouldn't be talking about the current pandemic. Um, but uh, what I would like is to hear your futurist. Uh, thinking and I am not going to bet with you because in 40 years you haven't lost one bet so I know that statistically I would lose uh, or rather I can bet with you but not against you so I want to hear your futurist thinking about uh, uh, the future of both pandemics as well as pandemics that we could prevent by being smarter in designing a future for human civilization that is less exposed uh, to um, the negative uh, uh, outcomes that that a pandemic in the future would cause so that is where i would like to start if uh, if you agree sure i think it's it's useful to point out that there are some very good books about pandemics and that you see recurring themes in them so i'll go over a few of them that what pandemics have in common. Number one, pandemics are much more common than we think. There is common, according to historians who, who have looked at this, as wars. And yet people are not necessarily surprised when wars are coming because there's all kinds of drumbeats to get humans all riled up and get them on the same team. But pandemics are as common and yet 
But what I've heard is every single time a pandemic arrives and it starts wreaking havoc and killing people, it's a total shock to people. So we're shocked over and over and over. And what that says to me is there's too many diseases and too many immune deficiencies and too few futurists. So I don't notice that futurists get any particular respect, like the title futurist produces eye rolling. And yet there really does need to be people who are respected and who can tell the public, this one is coming, this one is coming. Because a lot of these, uh, if you look back at, at any pandemic, there were people who were insufficiently prominent who were predicting something like it because they'd seen it on a small scale and through inductive reasoning, they were able to go, you know, because some people are really good at deductive reasoning. Some people are good at inductive reasoning. There are certain people who can abstract and think exponentially. And while we talk about things like Salim's book about exponential organizations, there have always been these people who could think exponentially. There were prehistoric exponential thinkers, but we didn't give them the respect of, that they deserve because we didn't realize how valuable that mode of thinking, that mentality was. So one of the things about pandemics too, I highly recommend looking at the book and reading the book. I've been recommending this for a long time uh, by uh, Alfred Crosby called The Measure of Reality, Quantification in Western Europe, 1250 to 1600. And in that book, he asks, why is it that Europeans were on the margins and they were a joke to Muslims in their golden age and why is it by 1500 that they'd conquered most of the world? And he said, and he's the author of nine books on that, it, that seek to answer this question. So there's one of the books is all about diseases that people in the West spread. But this is, I think, the starting point for wisdom is measurement. And what he shows is that the Europeans just were, they loved to measure uh, could things. You, could you put uh, the microphone closer to your mouth? Uh, it's, sure. it's, it's scratching against your clothing. Uh, uh, Possibly. I can't see it, but I don't That's, know what he's scratching no, I just, against. I was moving it again behind my shoulder, but since I'm not on camera, there's no need to. Is that better? Yes, much better. Okay. So the idea is that they started measuring things. So we can't really have too much of a great idea of what the damage these pandemics did before 1000 AD. But I want to point out one thing that is a big misunderstanding, and I'm going to put you... And I'm going to put the listeners on the spot because I used to run a boarding school and I want to uh, I want to ask this. What killed the dinosaurs? I, this has relevance to future pandemics, believe it or not. But I'm going to ask what what killed the dinosaurs, because I think there's a big misunderstanding about this. It's kind of comical. And then I want to show that it's hard for people to understand future pandemics because we all learn a certain kind of conventional wisdom that's completely wrong. So do we okay, have any I put the I put the question uh, uh, on the screen and uh, let's ask uh, our viewers uh, and let's wait a few minutes for the answers or okay. the so uh, candidate go, answers so to come in. But in the meantime, go okay. ahead and, uh, and uh, I will show them uh, once they are here. Okay, so here's the, here are predictions. Number one, there will be more pandemics in the next 20 years than there have been in the last 40 and possibly in the last 100. And there's a reason because the human immune system, you have an innate immune system and you have an adaptive immune system and you have gut bacteria and you have the thymus and you have. Uh, so these things are all working in complex, non-deterministic ways. Um, here's a, another a question I like to ask, too. What 
element on the periodic chart of the elements are you mostly made of by mass? Measured by mass, what element? They're, we're made of 53 elements. What's number one? Um, I posted uh, 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 an analysis that I found beautiful on this, so I, I, I won't answer because it's not fair. I just uh, studied it okay. uh, a few weeks ago. Good. Uh, and just, just to add, uh, I not only listed the, the, the elements by mass, but I actually correlated it with the type of stars that forged the element. So oh, whether brilliant. we were born on, uh, on a collapsing uh, uh, star or a supernova or actually merging neutron stars, which is especially scary because we need those elements. So the frequency of neutron star mergers could define the ability of other planets to support life that is similar to human life and, and our ability to, to, to colonize those kinds of planets too, because even if they are trace elements in, in, in a, uh, a few um, fraction of a percent, uh, they are still essential for, for, for us. Uh, let, let me show, uh, uh, quite a few answers came in. So let me show the candidate answers uh, and read them out loud. So Emiliano saying it wasn't a meteorite, I think it was a bacterium. Debbie says it's a comet. And Deborah uh, kind of cheekily says, was it a pandemic? And Esther says uh, dinosaurs immunity wasn't ready. So these are the candidate answers. And uh, you tell our viewers uh, whom uh, was closest uh, to what uh, you believe. Well. My point here is that with pandemics, we not only needed to measure things, but we also need to understand the underlying cause. So imagine a comet hitting the Earth. It's going to throw up, you know, some dirt, some, some uh, stuff, but it's not going to kill things on the other side of the planet, right? How could it kill things on the other side of the planet without going through the planet? So the answer is that, it, the answer is mold. Mold killed the dinosaurs. Because what happened after the KT event is that lots and lots of dust was thrown into the air and it went uh, very up high into the stratosphere and troposphere and so on and it blocked sunlight and dinosaurs are uh, basically have their temperature determined by the outside and all of a sudden the average temperature of the world cooled and there's a point at which you have to have your body temperature above a certain degree uh, degree centigrade or Fahrenheit or the mold will kill you. So what kills people with HIV AIDS? Well, one thing is Carposi sarcoma. What's that? It means that mold kills human beings. So it, re you know, it reduces their immune system. You have to have a combination of, and I'm, what I'm saying is temperature, body temperature is also part of your immune system right there with the innate immune system, the adaptive immune system, the thymus and gut bacteria. You have to have all five. So as a transhumanist and as a bio, uh, biohacker, uh, or biohackers talk about thermotherapy and they say that you should be have extremes of cold and extremes of heat that's exactly correct because that stimulates the immune system so i guess what i'm saying is that in the future biohacking will save many many people and many many people will not get these pathogens but the people who ignore all these elements are going to die of pathogens because we have such a globally interconnected world so what, uh, with, within the influenza, people think that was a bacteria. But what they don't understand is what killed people was a virus.
but there was also a bacteria that was present. So in many cases, we, we have misunderstandings because two things are present, but one is the actual cause. So one of the things Very, is that very interesting. Uh, Emiliano is asking, does Alex Lightman have a YouTube channel? I wish to hear more from him. And, and yes, of course, Emiliano, uh, he, he does have a, a YouTube channel and I am displaying it right now. It is youtube.com slash channel slash U-C-I-N-F-S-H-L-U-N-H-S-B-N-B-A-H-7-W-S-6-Q-Q. Alex, maybe you should personalize the URL of your YouTube channel. Yeah, I uh, which that with now. The, That's so ugly. <laughs> <with> the, <laughs> what an ugly... That's the world's ugliest URL with the most, most beautiful content. And, and of course, I'm just pulling your leg, but I am also uh, sharing the screen to it. So, uh, Emiliano, it's enough to uh, search for Alex Lightman on YouTube and, and you will find him and you can subscribe. Also, as I see, you are preparing crypto history from 2009 to 2050 as a, as a series. So, uh, that, uh, that will no, be very fascinating. No, I gave a talk that summarized all that. I gave a, oh, okay. I gave a talk on that. Okay, fantastic, fantastic. So, uh, so, uh, so, so you, you were talking about the nature and the frequency of future pandemics, but uh, can we, for, for example, let's assume that after the current one is over, we actually decide that uh, international uh, travel must, um, must include a, a quarantine equal at landing to the uh, incubation period of the known pathogen with the longest incubation period. So if it is two weeks, two weeks. If it is two months, too bad, it's two months. That would explode immersive virtual reality and avatar technology representing us and, and we would have haptics and we would have be able the ability to hug each other remotely but if we wanted to uh, uh, travel and meet in meat space, uh, uh, then then we would have to make sure we are not infective. Would that prevent your prediction to come true? No, because you still need people to fly the planes. And right now, there may not be as many people flying, but there are lots of goods flying. There are planes are are car, you know planes that are bringing gloves, masks, disinfectant, etc. Are, are flying, number one. Number two, uh, the, the big core, the biggest project on the planet right now is One Belt, One Road from China, funded by China. They have nine trillion they budgeted for it. And that, that, the core of that are the bullet trains. So they're going to connect Asia, Europe, and Asia is really part of the European continent, but we pretend that it's not the same continent, and Africa all with bullet trains. So even if we're not flying, we're still going to have people in trains. And the, uh, but the fact is that, that, that we are also a nation, there are only 55 nations that have oil and not every nation that has oil exports oil. There are 215 nations. So a lot of nations have to have oil for various things until we're completely green and self-sufficient. So Costa Rica and Paraguay probably don't need to have that because they can be completely self-sufficient in hydropower and green energy. But the other 213 nations probably need oil. Now, if they're going to get oil from a nation, they have to sell something. And what many nations, including the Netherlands, 
uh, cell, especially if they're in the beginning. Are you there? Can you hear me? Yes, uh, somebody was complaining about the dog barking and and uh, uh, I was replying oh. in the comments that it is the neighbor's dog because my dog oh. is locked uh, and, 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 and chained, well, not chained, whatever, but oh. uh, my dog knows that I am on, I'm live streaming, but I cannot tell everybody in the neighborhood so their dogs are barking. I'm muting myself. Go ahead. We are listening. Okay. So... Uh... I, I sort of lost my place. Uh, do you remember the last sentence I said? Uh, well, you were talking about how oil, uh, even oh, though yes. 250... So, have, so the idea is that we have to, with some of these nations, in order to get the oil or whatever other things they need, they cannot, you can't have the majority of the nations in the world simply in, importing things. And they don't all have oil. They don't all have gold. You know, everybody lacks something. So you ha if we have world trade, we have to have world trade in agricultural products. And if we have world trade in agricultural products, it's still possible for pandemics to exist. That's, that's my basic point. So we're not going to have a point. However, there are ways to reduce pandemics that are very, very, very simple. And I'm dismayed by the, the uh, sort of the uh, grand priests of our current moment the immunologists, the immunologists in chief or the immunology priesthood, because they're not very big on nutrition. Uh, they're much more, they are much more likely to recommend a vaccine than something to eat or a supplement. And so one of the things that I have a concern about is that the people of China in particular have been the source of virtually all the pandemics except for, you know, for, uh, uh, that are new, except for Ebola in the last hundred years. And the reason is very simple. It's because in general, they're very selenium deprived because they're this uh, elder race, this elder civilization on earth. They have been doing agriculture for so long that a lot of their soil is depleted of basic minerals and they don't replace it. So if the government made a mandatory, you know, selenium uh, supplementation, you would have a lot. Oh, I can't hear you anymore. Can yeah, you supplement. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. they would be sub they need to supplement with selenium. So effectively, if we had a world that was run based on human health as the priority, as opposed to profit from the priority, we would have a lot more things that would be making use of open source medicine. And we would make sure if we're going to police things rather than uh, police our neighbors and turn in our neighbors, we would make sure that people had enough nutritional supplements. Because if you're taking all the supplements, it's much that you could be right now, there would be a much slower, uh, basically a slower growth of the pandemic. Um, I've hmm. been reading. Well, you didn't want to talk uh, about uh, the current, so but very, I'm very interesting. It's nutrition. Very, no, no, absolutely. And uh, I don't know if you knew. I'm showing uh, uh, them uh, shaking hands when they could. Uh, almost exactly a year ago, uh, Italy became the first, and as of right now, the only uh, Western nation to uh, sign up to the Belt and Road. Uh, uh, program with, with China. Uh, the way I uh, describe it is that uh, uh, Italy is shifting from being in the periphery of the American empire to being in the periphery of the Chinese empire. And uh, it is a cozy, uh, comfortable position to be the underdog, uh, supposedly. Uh, and um, even though, you know, uh, we have uh, still uh, American nuclear bombs uh, uh, on uh, unaccessible parts of the Italian territory. And, uh, and, and uniformed Chinese soldiers 
So you're probably the only country that has both American nukes and Chinese soldiers on your soil. And and uh, Russian uh, uh, Russian uh, uh, specialists uh, in 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 military uh, uh, garb uh, who have been traced to the Russian uh, uh, bio research uh, laboratories as well. So well, we have under, uh, we have all of them. It, understand that even though I am an American. I'm not anti-China and I'm not anti-Russia, uh, so uh, I'm not. I don't have the same paranoia towards Russia that uh, that American administrations have made so much hay out of for the past hundred plus years. Uh, Alex, uh, uh, you won't believe it, but um, we are at the end of our hour. Um, I can't believe it because I had a lot of fun. Uh, what I do is uh, I collect uh, all the links uh, that uh, have been mentioned. So your website, the infographics, uh, the book that you quoted, Measure of Reality, your YouTube channel with the ugly, um, with URL. The ugly URL, uh, the Wikipedia article about Belt and Road, and uh, uh, the article about uh, Italy signing the, the initiative. And I uh, uh, post it in the comments or the description of, uh, of the videos. And um, obviously, uh, you are welcome to, to come back on uh, searching uh, for the question live. But uh, before I let you go, and, and by the way, please, uh, uh, after I switch off the um, broadcast, stay so that I can say uh, a goodbye in private as well. Uh, but uh, before I, I, I let you go, uh, please uh, tell our viewers uh, who have been so kind and so participatory and enthusiastic, uh, uh, what, uh, what should they do uh, in order to be a better futurist uh, and, uh, and uh, learn more what methodology actually works in, sure. in, sure. in, in understanding the future. Sure. Well, the first thing is uh, spend a lot of time on Facebook, and, but use a public figure page so you can see what posts people are interested in, because it makes no sense predicting what your neighbor is going to watch for TV. You have to have things that are interesting to your friends or it won't motivate you. The second thing is specialize. Just, and learn the specialized vocabulary of that area. Uh, the third thing is learn to talk about graphs. For instance, what if, if I tell you a series of S-curves, right? do you know what that means? And do you know what would cause a series of S-curves? To be able to talk about uh, how things change over time. Learn calculus, learn differential equations. When you're in quarantine, you can go to Khan Academy and you can learn these things. And, Calculus, if you understand calculus and derivatives, then it gives you a certain kind of sense of like, oh, people can do this. And then finally, I'll give you my trick. I'll give you my secret sauce. When you say I'm living on Facebook and you see me being sometimes a little bit antagonistic, I'm not like that in, in regular life. Uh, I'm doing it because I, they're informal stealth Delphi studies. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to provoke a reaction so I get other people to challenge my predictions. Like I don't make a formal prediction of something that I put money behind until I run it by other people. So before I made this bet with this billionaire who's super knowledgeable, he was the guy, his, uh, the real, he's the real life guy 
who was whose story was told in Pretty Woman with Julia Roberts, this guy working for Michael Milken, making multi-billion dollar deals when he was in his 20s. He's very smart. And, and if he won the bet, he would crush me on social media. It would be very embarrassing loss. And in fact, I was at the Seder dinner the other night. And during the Seder dinner, he actually called me out in front of all of his friends and told them about the bet. That's how competitive he is. So before I did that bet, I went on Facebook and I said, here's the bet. Should I do this or not? And I read them all. And then I looked at who said what. And the people I knew were credible said, yes, take the bet. And the people I knew were always wrong said, don't take the bet. And so it's really useful to have Facebook because you have some people who are always right and you have some people who are always wrong. And if you have a lot of people and you can find them both and you can have them both agreeing with quotation marks around it, then it's very hard to lose because you've got uh, you've got your mini CIA that you don't have to pay $80 billion a year for. Wonderful. That uh, trick is extremely valuable. And uh, uh, I am uh, sure that, uh, that our viewers will uh, make a, a treasure of it. Uh, and they are clamoring for you to come back. So uh, we will agree to have a, a second installment of uh, this conversation. Uh, and uh, we will pick uh, some uh, funny uh, topic, uh, maybe space colonization or artificial intelligence well, or, or something like that. Whatever you'd like, David. Thank you for allowing me to be on the show. It's great to be in touch. I want to end by saying thank you. Uh, your viewers should know that you're a big-hearted man and that you let me stay in your home for a month. I'm a bit of a fanatic for world fairs and world expos. And when the, the Expo World Expo in 2015 was in Milan, Milano, uh, David let me stay at his house for a month, fed me, took care of me. And I wanted to say one thing funny about you. David lived across the street from a wonderful Italian restaurant. He lived there for seven years. And when he took me to dinner there, it was the very first time he went to the restaurant. That still is the most amazing thing I've heard in the past decades. Like, I eat all my meals out until quarantine. How can you not eat a single meal in the restaurant across the street for, for seven years? Because my wife, who loves me, uh, cooks wonderfully. And, and so uh, I, I, I don't have a, have a need. But of course, then it was, it was a pleasure to, to have you in that restaurant. Thank you, Alex, very much for being on the show. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So this was a, a really wonderful and, uh, and uh, exciting uh, episode of uh, Searching for the Question Live. Uh, I want to thank uh, Alex uh, to be uh, a stimulating guest. Uh, and I want to thank uh, all of the, the viewers uh, that uh, have uh, uh, contributed to the success uh, uh, with uh, their numerous comments. And uh, the... Uh, um, Show notes uh, uh, on YouTube uh, will contain the list of the links uh, that uh, we collected. So make sure that you subscribe, you check out the show notes. Also, uh, come to uh, our Discord channel to continue the conversation around these topics. Uh, and feel free to uh, support Searching for the Question live as well as uh, every other initiative that uh, I am putting together uh, with my team. Uh, on patreon.com slash David Orban. Thank you very much and uh, see you uh, next time tomorrow. <laughs>